Welcome back to Season 2 of Flopstars. In case you're new here, Flopstars is the podcast where we look at projects by our favourite pop stars that underperformed on the charts but found a home with a cult group of fans. I'm Sam Murphy, the editor of The Interns, and I'm joined, as always, by Project U's Nick Kelly to delve deep into misunderstood projects. This week, we're talking about an icon. Kylie's in her fourth decade of her career and still making pristine pop music. It's Aphrodite and Kiss Me Once that are on our radar, though. Two albums that loosened her stranglehold on the charts. Both albums contain fan favourites, but the pair underperformed and shifted her career dramatically. On this episode, we look at why. Hello, 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 Nick. How are you today? We've done 50 of these and we always have to clap before it and it never gets any less awkward because we clap offbeat from each other, but it makes sense in post-production. Sam, I'm well. I'm really good. It's a beautiful week here on the central coast of Australia. I believe it's quite similar for you in New York City this week. Yeah, it's a beautiful week. Feels like we're on the crossover and we're both like at that sweet spot right now. It's nice. And I feel very excited to do our first double album dive in a while that we've done on Flop Stars. I can't remember who yeah, the last one would have been. Yeah, I was going to say, only our second. We did Charlie XCX's two mixtapes in the second episode. So this wow. is a big day. It is. Of course, we're talking about Kylie. We're talking about a particular era for her. 2010, the album Aphrodite. And 2014, the album, what's it called? What's the other one called? Kiss me once. Uh, kiss me once. <laughs> so forgettable. This is why we don't do two. We don't have the brain capacity <laughs> for it. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to this because I think, yeah, I think, you know, as Australians, we grew up as Australians. Kylie has been in the psyche um, of, of Australian culture for as long as we've been alive and for much longer yeah. before that. Um, and obviously around the globe, different folks know her to different levels and for different yeah. things and different high points and low points in her life. And this was a real era for her. This was, you know, this was, is sort of like a mid-career kind of era. This was a crossroads for her. And these records didn't peak particularly well on the charts, but... I go back and listen to them and there's still some absolute hits on there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's weird, as you say, we've grown up with Kylie. Um, We knew that Kylie was an icon all our lives and the kind of seminal Kylie record for me is um, Light Years Were Spinning Around and On A Night Like This because that was just when I was like in my peak time of listening to music, whether I liked it or not, I just knew that Kylie was the shit. Like you had to know that as an Australian. And then you went through everything with her. Like she obviously had Fever, which was an amazing record and broke big in the, in the U S and then, um, she had a battle with cancer and then overcame it and came back with, um, X and everybody was obsessed with her once again and really invested in her story. Um, and I feel like these two records we're speaking about today is the point which the wheels kind of came off a little bit in terms of, She'd always done well, I feel like, but at this point it was transitional and you weren't really sure whether she was still competing in the mainstream pop arena or whether she was becoming a legacy artist and also not really sure what she was trying to do either. I mean, that's definitely true for the second record we're talking about, Kiss Me Once. I think Aphrodite has much more of a vision. Um, But it was interesting to see this artist suddenly come undone a little bit and... 
uh, we also saw it with Madonna around the same time. She stopped like getting number one singles and had to find a lane that works for her. It's really interesting to look at the the numbers for this. So Aphrodite in particular, um, all the lovers peaked at number three in the UK, number thirteen in Australia. Album yeah. didn't even do number one in Australia. It did so in the UK, but not in Australia. It peaked at number three. Um, yeah. And Kiss Me Once didn't do particularly well either. I, 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 it's interesting around the word legacy. I feel like yeah. if you're a household name, you're already legacy, in my opinion. Definitely. So I don't know whether this was her transitional period to being a legacy artist. I think this is almost like a, a post-transitional time for her, which I think is something yeah. that Madonna suffered as well. After becoming, you know, after a really solid, say, three, four, maybe five albums, a, a 10, 15-year career that crosses over into pop culture and isn't just about music, that's a really interesting time for an artist. They kind of built that legacy and they're going to be known, you know, she was on Neighbours and Kath and Kim and those real pop culture moments. So yeah. legacy's already built. It's what you then do in the 30, 40 years after you've got that legacy tag attached to you that yeah. will never not make you a legacy artist, but it may change what legacy you actually Yeah, leave. it can rub the shine off a bit, definitely, I think, if you don't play your cards right. And I actually think, uh, I will speak about this more later on, but I think that... Um, Kylie has settled into her position now and she's just giving the fans exactly what they want. Um, And I think having one of the, like, kind of great periods of her career right now. But these records felt particularly like she wasn't quite sure where she fit in in the modern pop realm. There was a heavy, like, R&B influence coming through around the time of Aphrodite. Um, and there was obviously a big EDM thing as well. And Kylie's always been a dance girl, but she's never been an EDM girl in my my mind. Yeah. So she rolled out this kind of pristine dance record um, produced by Stuart Price, who also did Madonna's Confessions on a Dance Floor and also had a bit of a part in um, Dewar's Future Nostalgia this year as well, I believe. Mm. Um, so interesting. Like she obviously wanted a strong disco pop sound, pure pop sound, and maybe it just wasn't right for the time and it didn't quite make it up there on the charts because X, the album before this, um, Two Hearts, Shot Straight's number one in Australia. The album was very big. Obviously, the tour after it was very big as well. So it's the momentum hadn't really gone, but for some reason this album just wasn't resonating with the kind of chart-devouring audience anymore. It's interesting to... I feel, I feel like I start every sentence on this podcast. With, I know, that's it, what I was just thinking. <laughs> this whole podcast is so, like, literally so interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> thinking about um, thinking about the production on particularly Aphrodite, it's... It, <laughs> now I just keep going to say it's interesting again. Thinking about the production on Aphrodite... That sort of arpeggiated synth, not to get all nerdy and stuff, but that, that synthy yeah. kind of like, bo, 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 that, that Robin Roixop kind of sound, it, yeah. seeing that go on to a big kind of mainstream Australian pop star, it was a, it was a bold choice, particularly cool. around that time. You're right, with the, the sounds that were on the charts at the time. And, you know, you had folks breaking through in 2010, like Bruno Mars, like Doo Wops and Hooligans came out that year. That was his first yeah. album. Um, yeah, wow. So that, yeah, had, that's the way it was headed. Yeah. And like Love the Way You Lie was the biggest song on Australian radio that year. Um, even like 
Dynamite, Tyre Cruz, songs like that that were kind of dancier records, but they weren't that real sort of like sharp synthesized stuff. Um, yeah. And it's worth it's worth noting that we are releasing this um, episode uh, roughly the same time as Magic, the brand new Kylie single comes out from the album Disco, which is not too far away. And you're right, yeah. she's having a, a, a resurgence at the moment. Say Something is a huge song on Australian radio and it's just very fucking good as well. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, so it's interesting to look back at what is going to kind of inform um, what this album that's about to come out will do and the time that she spent between these albums that we're talking about today and Disco and what's going to happen with that. I love um, that we get to do this because we get to look back at, a, at an album and almost take it out of context a little bit and try to understand... Like, we obviously look at the album in its time and try to understand why it underperformed, but we also take it out of context to try and like draw the gold from it. And Aphrodite particularly um, for me from this exercise, I I think like it's a brilliant album for almost from start to finish. There's a few dub moments, but mostly all the lovers in my opinion is one of the best lead singles she's ever released. It's one of the gayest songs ever and has been absolutely (laughs) embraced by the queer community since that. And it, yep. it's funny to to listen back to Aphrodite this year when things like Gaga, Chromatica, Dua, Future Nostalgia, um, the whole like Say So Doja Cat disco thing is back. Aphrodite kind of seems quite fresh right now, which is very like so interesting. So weird to think about. Because at the time it was like, oh, here comes like old lady Kylie with a like bit of a disco <laughs> romp again. <laughs> Romp is the worst word, just as a side note. Such a bad word. It's such a bad word. My favourite words right now are romp and trot. Every time I go for a walk, I say, I'm going for a trot. Go for a trot? No! I don't like it. Looking at the... Looking at... Yeah, the records that were around at the time, this is so different to everything that was charting at that point. I think something that really stands out as a difference between particularly like something like X and this is not just the sounds, but also almost the weirdness of X. X had a lot of like weirder kind of songs on it. And if you think back to singles like Two Hearts and even Wow, like they were weird, they were wonky pop songs. And I don't know whether... Aphrodite has the sort of authentic weirdness that yeah. records like that had. Aphrodite is a straight up pop record. So as it, you're right, like X was a little bit more experimental and maybe she felt the pressure to kind of sound like she was still an innovator when she released that album because she'd been away for so long. Um, but interestingly, her label thought that X wasn't quite the comeback that they needed from Kylie. So obviously they were like, let's put her back in her lane. Let's do what she absolutely does best and let's do a yeah. dance pop record. All her best albums followed that aesthetic. So why wouldn't it work again? There was a little bit of innovation with the project. Um, Calvin Harris has a co-write on there. Sebastian Ingrosso, who was doing huge EDM bangers at the time. Um, Fraser T. Smith, who's a bit of a, a like legendary yeah. producer in in England. So there were a few new names in. But what I found really interesting is Kylie had never used an executive producer before this album. 
So to me, like the cohesion in this album is very clear. And obviously that plays yep. a big part in it. And that was all kind of Stuart Price's thing. And she, she obviously loved the exec producer tag because she gave it to CR on the next album, Kiss Me Once. Um, so that obviously worked for her. But there definitely is a co- cohesion to Aphrodite that's not really there. Absolutely. Ex, With Aphrodite, like, I, I feel like this is a really good show of the fact that Kylie is not one of those pop stars that we've often talked about on Flop Stars who wants to run their own race and not listen to A&R advice and not, you know, have someone sort of bring the the record together. Kylie is happy to be told what she needs to do to get back on the charts and what kind of music is going to resonate. And she's a real pop star's pop star where she's happy to make these sort of more conceptual albums that make more sense in the context. And we saw that with Golden um, a couple of years ago. You know, country disco pop is is a thing that she hasn't done before and it's working. Go do that. And now with disco, it's almost going to be like an even, just a slightly more disco-led evolution um, of that. And I think she's happy to kind of go with those different eras and those different sounds and not just kind of go with what's in her heart at the time, which isn't to take away from her ability to write and her ability to curate her own music. But I just think for her, there's bigger things at play that she's happy to sort of let other folks worry about. I think curation is key, definitely. I think she's happy to settle on a theme and then she's happy for music to come in and out and she knows what's good and she knows what's shit. And she can bin stuff pretty quickly. Um, um, she joked during the creation of Aphrodite that um, her and Stuart Price knew a song would work if it made sense when sung in the style of Dolly Parton, <laughs> which is interesting. I feel like that would be more appropriate for Golden, but That's it seems so to work good. for Aphrodite. So as I'm well. just trying to think all the lo- all the all the lovers. <laughs> Get out out of my way. My my dolly's off. Yours is pretty good. (laughs) I think the... I mean, we keep talking about Aphrodite because Aphrodite is definitely my favourite of the two albums we're talking about. But um, Kiss Me Once is quite a stylistic shift up to Aphrodite um, and definitely more of a US kind of sound. And Kylie's, I mean, last week we spoke pretty heavily about the disparity between Pink's popularity in Australia and the rest of the world. And the disparity between um, Kylie's popularity in Australia and in Europe as compared to America is unbelievable. Like, to them, Kylie's not an icon. She's just been in and out of the charts a few times and that's it. And it's funny to me that once you get to a point in your career, like she was on Kiss Me Once, that she was still trying to break the US. She signed with Jay-Z's Rock Nation for a management deal. Which is so wild like to Dark think about. Child and Stargate and Will I Am and people who are very ingrained in US pop music. It just so bizarre that that's the point in her career that she would try to do that. Such a strange time. What I really, really like, though about Kiss Me Once is that it is a little bit weird again and it does kind of go yeah, a little bit wonky. it definitely is a bit strange. There's so many redeeming qualities to that album. It was absolutely a flop, like, and the singles yeah. didn't do particularly well at all. But those Quite songs are great. Flop, yeah. a, monu- a, a huge flop for her, to be, to be totally yeah. honest. And Golden definitely would did, did better. Yeah. And, it, and even Golden didn't do particularly well. You know, it wasn't a world-beating album but it it did better than kiss me once what do you reckon the factors were at play with kiss me once that made it flop so particularly hard 
in the grand scheme of I things. Think, I think it's very diverse, too diverse. Yeah. I also don't think it's really her sound. I don't think X and Kiss Me Once stand out to me as yeah. real, like, um, important Kylie records. And when you think of something like Fever that had, like, Can't Get You Out of My Head and In Your Eyes on it, that was a weird record as well. Like, that was trying a lot of things, but it was all built up from the basis of dance pop. Yeah. Whereas I think Kiss Me Once almost looked at what's going on in the charts. And obviously she worked, she worked with Pharrell on it, um, Ariel Rexshade. So she was like looking at what Pharrell was doing. She was looking at what Ariel was doing in the indie kind of world and trying to like piece it all together and like get a slice of too many pies. And I think that resulted in some great moments that are weird and are experimental, but ultimately made a, for a messy album. Is it worth us then diving into a little bit of a song battle between tracks on Aphrodite? Yeah, I was going to say that. Stuff on Kiss Me Once. I think it's a great time for that. <laughs> Good little segue. It, it's a great segue. And, and the easiest song game ever, because very easy just to um, pair two albums up against each other that we're yeah. talking about. So obviously we're going to put a song from Aphrodite up against the song from Kiss Me Once and we're going to battle it out to see what's the better record. And in true me style, I usually go in thinking one thing and then I come out having <laughs> voted the complete opposite way. So. This is the process of flop stars. This is the this is exactly what happens every time we do this episode as a whole, like we do this show as a whole. You come in thinking one thing about an album and you come out with a different appreciation for it and it's the beauty of this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so the first battle is All the Lovers, the first single off Aphrodite. It's all I wanna do, so versus Into the Blue, the first single off Kiss Me Once. Oh, this is actually a hard one because All the Lovers is, you know, like just so synonymous now with, you know, queer culture and it has become an absolute bona fide gay anthem despite its lack of success you know, on the charts and on radio. Um, well, you it, know, the gays just love lack of success. Oh, they absolutely. light up for lack of success. The majority <laughs> of our audience is gay men from Sydney. So that's just, that's just <laughs> anecdotal anyway. They're the, they're the ones that DM. And Poland. Shout out to Poland. Um, I, Into the Blue, to me, I actually quite like Into the Blue. I don't know. It feels like... A, yeah, it's a soaring... I'm glad you're on board. It's a, It's a really soaring kind of... Big song. It's definitely one of the better songs on Kiss Me Once. Um, yes, it didn't do particularly well. So this is a weird one. If you were to take the context out of All the Lovers, I would probably go Into the Blue. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Just All switch right, it so up. that's a vote for Kiss Me Once then. Yeah. What about you? Um, I like both of them. I think they're both strong lead singles. It surprises me that Into the Blue did as badly as it did. Um, cause I think it's a great pop song, like yeah. with a good chorus and a good kind of like, um, like self empowerment message. It didn't the, even like, make the top Katie 40 Perry. in Australia. Yeah. That's what, that's like, a mess. What, were they doing? what was happening? Crazy. You could um, do an entire flop the... stars episode on that song. I reckon. All right. Next week we'll do that song. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> Sorry. We're continue. not, we're not return next no. week, please. We're not doing that. Um, all the lovers, though, I think is just quintessential Kylie. Like starting a song off with dance, it's like this is what I'm talking about. When you know your brand and you can experiment and you can go all over the place, but you know where you come back to. And Kylie knows that where she's always coming back to is like she's commander of the dance floor. She's pure pop. 
she's disco and starting a song with dance and then um, in the video ending up on top of a pyramid of half naked people is exactly Kylie's brand exactly <laughs> where she needed to be and like all the lovers in my opinion is one of the great pop moments from her so I've got yeah. to go with that well, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna get a bit of um, backlash from my choice there. And trust me, it's not a. It's not an easy choice. And if I were to put one on at a party, it would definitely still be all the lovers. But yeah, I there's think something the nice. Blue and... might be met with a few blanks, blank yeah, faces. Even yeah. all the lovers, you might be. Who to is? Be who is this? Who's who sings this one? Um, Either of these at a straight party with like beer and blokes would probably not. <laughs> <laughs> not catch much of a reaction. <laughs> You're right. All right. Well, I'm glad we've started with a disagreement. This is good. Creates yeah. some controversy. The next one I feel like people think is an obvious battle, but for me, it's a it's a good pairing, and I will s- stand by it. Um, so get out of my way, off Aphrodite, versus. Feels so good off Kiss Me Once. Oh. And I know, I already know what you're going to do in this situation. <laughs> as soon as I saw this on the run sheet, I knew why you'd paired them together. Yeah. So, for context, that particular song, Feels So Good, is a redo of a song called Indiana by an incredible UK artist called Tom Aspall, or as Kylie yeah. referred to him in an interview around the album, <laughs> Paul Aspinall. So... <laughs> This song has a lot of love. Like, I was a big fan of that particular song, Indiana, for the two years before it became a Kylie song and was re-sung. I really love what Emeni K and Kylie did to really to change it and, and to sort of make yeah. it make it into a Kylie record. The production remains quite similar, um, yeah. but it vocally is performed in a really different way, in a really special way. Um, so that song's got a lot, a lot of stuff in my heart, but again, I like to try and take the context out of these records yeah. and, and do them you know, as a versus kind of thing. Um, but P.S., if you haven't heard Indiana, the OG version of Feel So Good, please do yourself a favour and then get Tom Aspall's album Black Country Disco available now. Um, oh, my, shout out. Add space. <laughs> get Out of My Way has got to be the most underrated song in her entire discography. Yeah. Without a doubt. And I have no idea how it wasn't a world beater. It's got, it's got everything. I would say it's the best song on Aphrodite. I would say it takes the, the dance influence and mainstreams it as much as humanly possible. It's a huge kind of almost double chorus that it's got. Um, yeah. It's, it's got everything. So even with the context of Feels So Good and as much as I love that song, I'm going to go get out of my way. Yeah. I feel like everybody you talk to who's a Kylie diehard has a special place in their heart for Get Out of My oh, Way. It's, it's, just it's so such good. a great song. It's, so it's such good liberating pop and, and still stands up today. This is the thing about Aphrodite that I was saying, like it fits today's context of pop music yeah. so well and Get Out of My Way would just fly now. Like in a kind of like, she's a legacy artist now we can say, but like it would just like, do so well with the people that love her. And I think obviously disco is going to do that anyway. So yeah, that's I hope so. Get out of my way. Feels like a rain on me kind of moment to me. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's so good. And it's really hard to put it against. Feels so good, which was already a great song, as you said. Um, But Kylie did a great job as well. And it's just like, it was so surprising when she did it as well. Yeah to hear it because I, I knew the original beforehand and then she'd obviously retitled it 
and popped it on the album. And when it got up to there, I was like, what, what on earth? And I think if it wasn't a, a cover, it probably would have competed for like first single status. Yeah, it's that strong. And I think it's really interesting as well. Like Kylie was working with MNEK when he was like 17, 18. Yeah, when when they That's put that, that song together, I know it's so weird to think about. And why is she not? I feel like MNEK is so Kylie's lane. Like, oh, why? Hundred percent. There could be some sneaky. There could be some sneaky MNEK rights on the album. I don't think we've seen the track listing in full yet. So yeah, it would be really interesting to see whether they have been back together. Um, that would be interesting. Making some stuff because having said that, I am going to get out of my way. I thought as you well, would, yeah, because it's it's hard to buy. It's really hard to buy a pass. It's yeah. one of her strongest. But if you haven't had a chance to check out "Feels So Good" before, it is kind of you know buried into into um, into "Kiss Me Once." Definitely give it a whirl. I don't know if yeah. I made that clear enough that you should listen to that song. <laughs> Stream feels so Stream good. Feels streaming pa- feels so good. Streaming party after this <laughs> podcast ends. Get it trending. <laughs> What's next? All right. Put your hands up in brackets Put if you feel love. Versus, I was going to cancel, which is the Pharrell co-production on. I was going to cancel some of Pharrell's, as my good friend Nathan would say, pop terrorism at work. Um, I've, I'd forgot this conversation was going to bloody come up again in this. We've already done this. You know my thoughts about Pharrell working with pop stars. Put Your Hands Up is one of the sillier songs on Aphrodite. Yeah. I feel like it's very carefree, but it's almost like a little bit like what I was talking about earlier, almost a little bit not weird enough. It's almost a little bit too trife. Is that a word? Trife? Yeah. You know what I mean? Trife? Uh, uh, you know the word I'm trying to say. I don't know. I'll we'll go with that. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> I think I've just mashed like six words together. Um, is it trite? Anyway, it, it, it's a little bit. Maybe it's tripe. Tripe. No. No, that's a, anyway, that's a food. That's a food. That's, li- that's a liver based tri- food. Tri- My <laughs> pop used to eat it. <laughs> he fucking loved it. <laughs> May's May's good soul rest in peace. Uh, Put your hands up is a silly song. It's not particularly memorable, but it's almost memorable in the way that it's not very good. So it's just it's just a dumb dumb fun song. Nothing too huge about it. I was going to cancel. I'll actually give it to Pharrell and to Kylie. Kylie was going to cancel the session. So, at, yeah. which would have been great. And this is a whole song about <laughs> thinking about cancelling the session. This is why I love this song. Yes. It's so, and it's silly so in ridiculous. a smart way. And it's silly in an authentic way. And I think if you put these two silly records beside each other, silly little records, yeah. silly little Kylie silly songs little on her records. silly little albums, this is... <laughs> <laughs> I Was Gonna Cancel is definitely one of the... Sm- Wow, look at you minimising the efforts of female pop artists. <laughs> For context, guys, it's a meme. Um, I was going to cancel is is very fun. It's very fun. And yeah, I actually don't think it's um, some of Pharrell's worst pop work. I think it's a bit of fun. So yeah, I'll go. I was going to cancel. Okay, good. Well, we got over that speed bump. Well, I'm going to go the, the same as you. I'm going to go with I was going to cancel. But I do like put your hands up as well. Um I just, I don't know. I love the concept around I was going to cancel. And Kylie is a literal artist in that she's like the queen of hyperbole. Yeah. (laughs) But she's never literal in terms of this kind of way of just being like, this was literally how my day was going. Like, you're never going to hear about what Kylie ate for breakfast in one of her songs. Yeah. 
but like this one goes almost as far as that and i think it's it's great it's really good i would have liked to hear like more of those songs on that record because this one really stood out to me as like showing her charisma where i think some of it kind of blended it together but anyway she referred to working with pharrell as a dream come true um which is really wow. interesting because but she was still gonna she was still gonna <laughs> she'd had a bad couple of days beforehand and she was like in a bad state so she was gonna cancel but she was like get it together kylie it's pharrell yeah. and i find that really really sweet and like because like pharrell would obviously have been gagging to work with kylie as well i mean yeah. it's fucking kylie um yeah so yeah i find that really nice that there's like a mutual fandom there and then they kind of met really nicely in the middle on that track so i apologize for referring to pharrell as a pop terrorist and um he, he's he's okay in this one <laughs> can i say that <laughs> flop stars is a pharrell safe space no it's not pop corner is not <laughs> you you're not you wrong. keep that for your silly little podcast silly little podcast on silly <laughs> What's our final song battle between Aphrodite and Um, The next song battle is Better Than Today versus Sexy Love. This is hard because Better Than Today is like one of my favourite Aphrodite songs and I think it's got the silliness that I'm looking for in a really good dance record. Um, It has massive Mika energy. I was thinking. It does have Mika energy. And I was, I don't know if that's... It's co-written by um, Nina Pallett, who had a hit called um, Everybody's Gone to War very early on around that Sandy Tom kind of day. I I vaguely remember that. That's a really interesting co-write for her. Um, I love Kylie's, like, even though this whole, you know, Aphrodite had a good EP on it, she still worked with some pretty damn cool people on that album. Like there's some really yeah. cool names and names you don't expect. Um, sexy love is, I find Kylie's like relationship to sex on kiss me once. Very interesting. Um, yeah. in that, yeah, it feels a little bit conceited at times, but also like major props for a pop star in her forties, you know, speaking about sex in and, and, and lust and desire in such a literal way. I mean, there's literally three, yeah. there's three songs on the album with the word sex in the title. Um, yeah. Sexy. Absolutely. I would say of the three of them, sexy love is better than sex exercise and less sex. Um, so I would agree. Yeah. I quite like sexy love, but there's something about that Mika energy and better than today. And maybe this is just from watching Mika's um, I love Beirut live performance on the weekend where Kylie got up and performed, say something in an acoustic format. Um, there you go. So you got your Mika. Yeah. Shout out. Got my Mika plug in there. Um, yeah. I think it's like a really fun, broad pop record. So I'm going to go with better than today. It's another win for Aphrodite. Great. Um, yes. I'm also going to go with better than today. I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm trying to remember what sexy love sounds like. <laughs> Hang on, I'll play it down the line. Here we go. I remember it's one of the more buoyant songs from that album. Yeah, it's buoyant's a great word to describe it. Um, here you go. Yeah. It's got a bit of um, raise your glass so energy, sexy. I think. I want it. It does have Rachel yeah, Glass good. It was one of the one of the strongest songs on that album. Right, right. Turn but off the lights. 
Don't make me start again. No, I won't sorry, stop. we'll stop the pink. It's been one of the true honors of my life to talk about pink for a week with an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Same with Kylie, though. So Same that was a two-all on my end for Aphrodite Kiss Me Once, and that was what for you? I feel like three Aphrodite. It was three-one for me. Three-one for you. There you yeah. go. They both do kind of stand up. Yeah, they do stand up. You know what I think happens a lot. Um, in Australian pop and it's sometimes difficult to talk about Kylie in the context of Australian pop because she spent so much time abroad and is obviously so beloved by the UK maybe even more so than Australia a lot of these records did a lot better in the UK than they did in Australia yeah but I feel like she often I saw a list the other day that put um where the wild roses grow with Nick Cave as the second best Kylie song which could be your opinion. It's but a choice. I feel like <laughs> some people feel she got like some validity from working with Nick Cave, who's obviously like a credible indie artist. Yeah. And people have tried to strip Kylie of credibility for years and years and years. But when you go back and you think about the position she had in pop music and the height she scaled and just how good records like Fever um, and, and Light Years and I mean... So impossible princess like so many albums from her career are iconic it just feels like for her to now be clinging on to the charts with like the skin of her teeth feels a bit unfair to it me. does it really does and particularly when you go back and hear how good the records were it's just that i don't know there's just so many pop stars now and it's yeah it's there's been so many people come through and do similar things to what kylie does Never replacing her, but definitely holding yeah. down that space at the time when she's away working on different music. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting it's conversation. It's interesting to me, though, that it's... There it is. It's interesting again. It's- um, <laughs> it is interesting, though, to see that both the tours that came after these albums did extremely well. Yeah. So... So she's obviously got this um, reputation for being a performer and having a great discography. And now it's kind of like if I release an album that pulls out two songs that the fans will love to, to put onto the set list, like all good. Yeah. And really cool. I've, I just feel like the position she's in right now is so much different to the position she was in when she released these albums because it did feel like she had to have some kind of relevancy still. Whereas Golden was almost like this album that was like, let's celebrate Kylie's career as a whole. And she played Glastonbury and she played festivals around the world. And she did this huge tour that was incredibly successful. And it was like, okay, now we can finally celebrate Kylie for Kylie without kind of judging her for where she now sits in the modern pop world. Because she's played that game. She doesn't need to play it anymore. She's very self-aware in that way. I think, and she's always been quite self-aware and I think she's happy to kind of take, you know, take the flops on the chin as well because she knows she's good and she knows she's got runs on the board and she knows she's got more to give. I got to go to the, um, I got to go to the Golden Tour. I went to um, the the Hunter Valley. So we we saw it at a winery. Um, I had about three bottles of Shiraz. It was great. And <laughs> and it was pissing with rain, but it was still great fun. And yeah. she was phenomenal. And she it really was a career retrospective. It was all branded as the Golden Tour, but it was yeah. it was a career retrospective. Even like Jake Shears, who supported, um, came out and did, 
the Robbie verse on kids with her. And, you know, it was a real celebration wow. of all the hits. She still did Locomotion. She, she was st- it was a greatest hit set. I reckon she probably did three songs from Golden, maybe four. Um, yeah. I think she did. Well, she has so, so many hits. That's like, it. It's hard to pop them all in a set. Yeah, especially like a 90 And you're hardly going to chop off spinning around so you can do like one of the Latin versions of one of her singles <laughs> off Golden, are you? <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna do that. You know what was interesting to say? She did, but she didn't perform at that tour. Did it again, which I feel like was a real moment. Did it again is one of my faves. I loved it. So again. underrated. That weird, like that little, like sort of. I don't want to say weird. That like sitar sound at the end. That yeah. Bow, 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 See, so bow. many eras for Kylie. She's one of those people who can just like adopt a new kind of persona every time yeah like, most people who have grown up um on a farm and have like a very natural country persona <laughs> can't ditch it two years later to become a <laughs> disco queen but kylie can <laughs> <laughs> she had her pop rock her pop rock dog era which i love it was you know when she got a bit more gritty and had those guitars in even exactly. the nick cave stuff was kind of a little bit like that so yeah yeah interesting very to look back exciting on. very exciting indeed. um i've i found researching these albums Again, quite interesting. Yeah. Because (laughs) (laughs) there was some kind of um, turbulence going on with her record label at the time. Yeah. So she was actually quite quite cross with them after the release of Aphrodite. She said, I felt a little let down with my releases from Aphrodite. I was caught out like a lot of artists were with record companies figuring out how to do single releases these days. I remember doing a promo for one of the singles and it just felt old fashioned. I'm pretty computer savvy. Something didn't feel right, but no one said anything to me. And her issue was that um, those who've kind of like grown up in the streaming era won't know this very well, but the single used to get service to radio and then sometimes a month or so later, it would appear on iTunes. And particularly in the UK, you couldn't buy it for a long time. I remember that era. Obviously, that was still going on. And so the new artists had kind of already caught up, but there was this very weird middle ground where they weren't quite still sure what to do, which is funny that Kylie got caught up in that. I forgot about that era where there was that period of like four to six weeks when you'd service something to radio and it would only be yeah. it would only exist on Capital FM or on Radio One. And yeah. you wouldn't be able to listen to it. It's so strange to think about. Isn't it bizarre? Because now you think you hear something on TikTok or you hear something on Twitter and you can basically in one click have the song in your hand. Yeah. But to think of hearing a song on that like imagine hearing all the lovers on the radio, loving it going to look and it's like the release date is a month and a half away and you're like, oh God, I don't love it that much to keep the energy up for that long. <laughs> and that's why that's why things like LimeWire and like Napster and stuff took off. Exactly. Because you, the only way to get it was to record it off the radio, which people would do. Yeah. And then upload it with a stupid tag over the top. And you'd, it was almost like taping it off the radio when people did that in the 90s and you'd hear the radio drop yeah. at the start and finish of it, you know, ruining the end of the song by talking over it for 20 seconds. It's crazy to think of. And it's yeah. crazy in the same way that you think of only a few years ago, people were releasing music to only one streaming service and not the other. So there's been so many kinks in the industry to iron out over the last 10 years as people navigated this transition from um, owning digital music to a subscription-based streaming yeah. service. And it was the and new Kylie music Friday era. Been... 
You go. Yeah. No, no, you go. No, no, you go. No, no, you go. I want to hear about <laughs> New was... Music Friday. <laughs> it was the... <laughs> it was the New Music Friday era that really kind of changed all of that and it provided a certain, you know, expectation that new music was to be released on a Friday on the streaming services. But this is only five or six years yeah. ago. This is actually relatively yeah. recent history. Um, yeah. And it's interesting to think that this was a, a time less than 10 years ago that music wasn't just readily available. And that definitely would have and affected And now, yet again, we're at a point where people are like, does new music Friday work now? Yeah. Is it too crowded? And we're at the point where Kylie's releasing a single on a on a Thursday. So 90% of the time so indie artists are releasing on Wednesdays and Thursdays and yeah. like even and working in that side of the business like we've got a release coming out in a couple of weeks on a Monday because you just it's yeah. too cluttered on a Friday. You're not, not going to get cut through. But even major label acts and and huge acts are releasing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays if it feels right to them. Yeah. So we've gone from this really overplanned, overorganized release system to now this just complete randomness that is all about clusterfuck is another word for it that's all about just getting music to the fans at the right time regardless of what day or you know what kind of release cycle exists and you don't need to do six week pre-save campaigns anymore you can do two days campaigns if you look at something like holy by justin bieber that you know they announce it two days before and it's just out and available and it has a video yeah Zayn Malik doing the same Zane thing. Zayn Malik doing the same thing. Today. Yeah. But we are we are off on a tangent. We now. are we've, off on a tangent. We've left Kylie way behind. This is this is Kylie's moment. <laughs> but I think we've we've talked about how um these two albums were obviously like a muddy period of her career and then she kind of came out liberated on Golden and Disco feels like she's in a great position right now. Um but the other thing is is the label relationship was obviously just falling apart so she was with parlophone um she split with parlophone i think after aphrodite and then she split with warner australia after um kiss me once and she's now back with mushroom who was her label a long time yeah before all this exactly Um, and she seems to be comfortable she's obviously got a, a good relationship with them it's it's working for her she's got obviously got rock Rock Nation. I'm not sure if she still has Rock Nation as management, but she definitely did for these two I have a, records. I have an inkling she went back to her old manager. I can't remember, but I have an inkling ah. that was a conversation that happened. I might be wrong. I think her, her relationship with Mushroom, yeah, it's it's one that's existed since the very start. Um, and obviously, yeah. you know, in the in the early 80s with Molly Meldrum and, and Michael Gadinsky at the front. And, you know, Gadinsky is still at the front of Mushroom. And she obviously yeah. trusts him and trusts that team to, to deliver her records appropriately. And they're doing a great job of it. And Kylie is very present in the Australian market at the moment as a consumer. You know, she is really everywhere. Um, and yeah. I, it's phenomenal to think about the way that, say, something, um, her, her current single, well, soon to not be her current single. There's a new one coming out probably by the time this is released. But <laughs> yeah. say something has just has truly broken through in Australia and she's yeah. everywhere. And she's on pop radio. She's on all formats. She's on all the pop is formats. Is she really? Yeah. She, say something is on every radio station and it's, it's stayed. It's not been dropped on any of them. Um, and it's, that's, wow. that's a really exciting thing. That's incredible. And, it, and doesn't it just bring us back to the point that we make with nearly every Flop Stars album? Because you can imagine when all the lovers came out, every she was eyeing the charts, she was looking at the download, she was looking at the radio play, she would have been a hawk with all that, and the record label would have as well. A few albums down the track, 
she's obviously just such a successful tourer now. She's making music for her core fan base. I imagine that gaze on the charts has fallen completely. And they're like, whatever. We know that like Kylie is Kylie. And we know that if it does well, it's great. If it doesn't, two is still going to do well. You're still going to have your core fan base. And that's what results in the music feeling the freest. And it's what we've seen with Carly Rae Jepsen. It's what we've seen with, with Charlie. It's what we've seen with Robin. Interestingly, I think now I think about it, Katy Perry is in a similar situation that Kylie was in, in this period we're talking about is she's not out of that yet. She still has to look at the charts and she still probably does have a chance to compete on the charts later down the track, but it is completely it's creatively stifling i think absolutely and someone like katie is a chart nerd as well and she's a, she's tapped in and she cares yeah. um but you, you're so right and i think there's now this this thinking around kylie particularly in australia that she is such an icon she will do what she does and she will do it well and yeah she, I, and i think it's almost like when you decide that you're not going to be the number one pop star in the world anymore that's when it becomes freeing if you're not trying to be the biggest artist in the world you really get that freedom to happen and that's definitely happened for her she's happy to sit in this almost like this icon lane where she's a household name but she's not the number one charting artist all the time and she's not the number one airplay artist all the time she gets some airplay she gets some charting success and yeah that's a really powerful thing to be able to do is just let go of that requirement yeah Interestingly, she did say that um, that Kiss Me Once did give her freedom. Yeah. And um, the tour, she said the tour has been the most successful part of that campaign for me. So I think they learnt a lot from Kiss Me Once and what position she was left in after that. The great thing is, is great. Well, the, put- the great thing for her as well is the amount of touring she does and the amount of crowd interaction she gets, obviously pre COVID, she yeah. gets a real <clears throat> she gets a real sense of what resonates with her core audience because it's her core audience yeah. at the shows and she can see what works for them. And she's now had 40 years of being able to do that and, and work yeah. out what works for them. Um, so it's a very powerful thing to be able to do. It's cool. It is definitely cool. It's a great position to be in. <laughs> Nick and I just took a little break just then to discuss his shit game, which has been... Shut trashed. up! <laughs> it's been put in the bin. I'll be back next week with the best game you've ever damn heard. <laughs> <laughs> well it will have to beat this game which is the best damn game you've ever heard talk to me so you might remember a few years ago kylie jenner submitted a trademark well she wanted to trademark the word kylie yeah and which is um, so funny kylie to and kylie fans were like hang on a minute <laughs> i'm the original kylie there is only one kylie you're kylie jenner i'm kylie which I would agree with. Yes. It's like the Kardashians having a child called Madonna and then, then trying to take that. Or Beyonce, would, which would just really... <laughs> it's not going to happen. Really be quite a conversation. It's not happening. Not going to happen. And I think it was denied as well. Good. Um, yeah, it was. And now we have Kylie Rosé. So thank goodness for that. We might not have had Kylie Rosé. Oh, I wish we had the Kylie so, Rosé for this recording. So we could oh, taste We should have done it. it. Yeah. Apparently, well, if apparently it's absolutely a bloody big opportunity to send us a rosé for this. <laughs> it was available We're exclusively at Tesco. free promo for Disco out <laughs> sometime in November. The least you could do is send us a rosé. I'm going to send this straight to Emma at Mushroom. <laughs> Emma Graham, I know you're listening. <laughs> you're kidding. <laughs> Send us some puppy We will rosé. still accept a bottle of rosé in retrospect. As long as you do shipping worry. to New York 
from Sydney. We yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't be a problem. Sorry, go back to your um, game. <laughs> sorry, the game. Now that we've... <laughs> We're so shit. Um, okay, the, uh, the game I'm playing is... You've got to guess if it's a quote by Kylie Minogue <coughs> or a quote by Kylie Jenner. Cool. So I'm going to read it out to you and you have to guess. The first one is... I used to be able to do the Chinese splits where you open your legs sideways. That's a troubling quote. Where I open my legs sideways. How do you open your legs sideways? Oh, like twist your body around so you're almost like a sort of star. I fish. guess so. Yeah, you'd look like a, a broken Barbie. Or yeah. Something. Yeah, broken Barbie. Uh, I would say that's Kylie Jenner before she gave birth. Because you can't just guess what one. about while like, giving birth? <laughs> I don't think it was while giving birth. Oh. That was Kylie. Minogue. Oh, Sorry. There yeah, you this go. is the difficult. Yeah, that was Kylie. Wow. That was Kylie Minogue. When, what age was this at that she couldn't get I don't have any context. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no, that's, that's all good. That's... It might be made up. Yeah, no, I just looked up Brainy Quotes Kylie. <laughs> yeah. Do one of those like um, websites, it's like 37 famous quotes by Kylie Minogue pop up. Because that's my favourite thing too when I'm doing research. <laughs> they're, they're amazing. 65 they're all like, famous it's... Joe Jonas quotes. <laughs> God, imagine trying to find 65. <laughs> I've got one cake by the ocean. <laughs> next one. The next one is I fancied other women, but I haven't done anything about it. Oh, that's quite a quote. It's a revelation. Yeah. It's a revelation. Is that, it is. is that a mid thirties, early forties, Kylie Minogue realizing the full spectrum of human sexuality? Or is that, of co- this is, of course, we're recording this today after uh, International Biovisibility Day. Exactly. Um, so, that's why I threw it. Yeah, in. I like that. No, that's really good. Thank you yeah. for making people visible. Um, or is this Kylie Jenner speaking her mind as a young, rich woman? I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Minogue for that. You're correct. Yes. It's apparently, just being rich doesn't spur people on to say things like this. <laughs> Uh, okay, the next one is I have had a holiday And I'd like to take it up professionally <laughs> That's very funny That's a very funny quote That feels like something Minogue would say I'm going to go Minogue again That is Minogue, yes. correct I'm good at next this Next one is for the Last one. night I had cereal with milk for the first time <laughs> Life changing <laughs> I distinctly remember this being a Kylie Jenner quote <laughs> Do you? Yes. Damn it. Yes, it is Kylie Jenner. <laughs> Did she tweet it or something? I feel like that was something she tweeted at some point. I feel like it was an Instagram caption yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Life changing. Yeah. Okay, you're doing really well. Thank the you. final one is, I'm obsessed with Lady Gaga. I saw her at the Alexander Wang fashion show after party and I think she's the nicest person ever. Wow. I feel like Kylie Jenner wouldn't say that about Gaga. So I'm going to go with Minogue once again for this. Although I question whether Minogue would be bothered going to an Alexander Wang fashion show. (laughs) After party in particular. Um, But I'm going to go Minogue again. That is Kylie Jenner. Wow. Yeah. Very taken by Gaga. I had this beautiful idea in my head of Minogue and Gaga 
meeting of the mind, meeting of the great pop minds coming together and having this beautiful moment. It would be nice to see. Yeah. You know what was funny about doing this exercise? Um, I love that we refer to this Kylie... as an exercise. It's, it's... Yeah. <laughs> Kylie's quotes were all very like embracing celebrity culture and embracing her position as a, as a sex icon. And Kylie Jenner's quotes were all like, I don't want to be in the spotlight. I'm only doing this for <laughs> Kylie Cosmetics. It was like, it was quite hard to find quotes that actually could work for both of them because one clearly just embraces the fame (laughs) and i love that about kylie she's so unapologetically famous yes exactly and she knows she's a celebrity and that's a really cool thing where do we go from that i don't know where do is that the end of the quotes that's the end of the quote in the game oh there you go that was a great game i liked that yeah it was good my shit game of has kylie collaborated with the Nervo twins. Yes, she has. On Aphrodite. Yes, has. I saw that today. Yeah, it was on yeah. Aphrodite. Yeah, so this is, yeah, this is exactly why it would have been shit. It would have just been. Yeah, it would. Has she collaborated with Greg Kirsten? Yeah. Yeah, she has. See, this is why it would have been shit. It's all just, obvi- all just obvious ones. Um, I would love to. I would love to. Closing rem- in closing remarks, uh, like yeah. we're a couple of solicitors, um, talk about how excited we are for. Kylie in the future and talk about how excited we are in particular for the near future of this album coming out, this great disco record that's going to come out and where Kylie sits in 2020 in your mind. Um, Well, I think she sits as a, as a legacy artist, obviously who knows her core market and is playing right into their hands right now after a few years of being a little bit experimental and I love like jumping on the train. If you're going to see like disco is happening right now and Kylie's obviously made disco a huge part of her career in the past, like why not just jump straight back onto it? You know, so and and like just calling it disco as well is just like we're not yeah. fucking around this time. This is what you're getting. It this sets it. the agenda. Like, it's it all sets there on the, the jar. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But if you love me, you're gonna love it. And I, and that's the thing I love when people do that. They just know what you want and they give it to you. Yeah. And I think you can you can you still have room to like be a little bit innovative in that space, but you you're essentially just just appealing to your core audience and i love that i love that she's doing that now i think it's where she went wrong on kiss me once i think it's where she went right with aphrodite so i think think it's a great move what about you i couldn't agree more and i love that radio is embracing it as well and i love that the australian media is still is getting behind kylie just doing her thing and living her best life i think that's a really special thing to see and I'm really excited for the music on this record because it feels like it'll be a, a, a sort of combination of the learnings from something like Aphrodite and the yep. learnings from Golden and yep. the learnings from her career so far as a great pop songwriter. And it'll be bringing all that forward. I think Say Something is truly one of my favourite pop songs of 2020. Um, yeah, it's there, There's not much that stands up to it. And can, Who produced Say Something? still listen to it. It's Bill Stannard, I think is his name. Um, oh. I, I hadn't heard of him. I hadn't heard of him. It was a couple of people. Um, here we go. Credits. I remember I'd had a couple yeah, of seggies. Yeah, Biff Stannard, rather. Biff Stannard and John Green were the two Bill, producers. Bill, Biff Stannard. Bring back the Biff Stannard. <laughs> His real name is Richard Stannard, and he makes music as the name Biff Co. And he's worked with East 17. Oh, wait, he was in East 17. No. Oh. No, he was the producer on 
He's 17. Um, but he has worked with Spice Girls 5, Sophie Ellis Beckstar, 1D, has worked with Kylie before, um, and oh, wow. signed, uh, you know, Hurts, the duo from yeah. the UK? He signed them to his record label in 2010. Oh, so she's just, she's going just like pure <clears throat> pop then. And pure UK pop as well. Yeah. Which yeah. sits so Which is where Kylie's always resonated anyway, because I'd never say that the music that Kylie made was particularly Australian. I would say at times Kylie was bigger in the UK than she was in Australia. Definitely. In terms of... She, as a musician, I think as a, as a celebrity, a pop culture icon, yeah. she's definitely bigger in Australia. But as a musician, as a pop artist, I think yeah. the UK really embraced her. I think the masked singer, judge and sister of Kylie Danny is bigger in Australia. <laughs> you know what? She was amazing on the masked singer this season. She was She's a great judge. She's one of the funny. great great judges. Yeah. I would say that Danny was a better judge on um, X Factor and the masked singer than Kylie was on the voice. So she wins at that. Oh dear, that's that's your um, that's your most quotable point of the podcast, I think. No, I I actually fell in love with Danny Minogue through the Masked Singer. Like I wasn't a huge. I, I watched her do Australia's Got Talent and stuff, but on the Masked Singer, she was yeah. genuinely very very funny this year. Anyway, we're not talking yeah. about Danny. We're not talking about the Masked Singer. <laughs> Kylie, so is we'll a leave her for another flop stars episode. That <laughs> one will be about be eleven idea. minutes long. <laughs> Um, as we do, I want to. I want to ask: Is was there any moments on either of these two albums that you think should have been given more of a singles treatment or more of a push? Yes. Um, so on Aphrodite, I think. Hang on. On Aphrodite, I definitely reckon Better Than Today deserved a good push. Um, as yeah. we were talking about earlier, that fun, joyous, buoyancy, that Mika kind of energy, I think was still able to cut through in the pop lane in 2010. So I think I would yeah. have liked to see that song get a bit more love. And on Kiss Me Once, it feels so good, as we talked about. You reckon it should yeah. have been a, a contender for first single, and I couldn't agree more. And I think it still stands up as a great, slinky, gorgeous pop song it's not it's a bit understated at points as well it's not trying to be something that it's not um so i definitely think there are singles on both of those albums that could have done better and i definitely think there are questions to be answered about why it didn't perform as well um and why it wasn't given the backing that it deserved feels so good i i totally agree that's the one that stands out to me off kiss me once it's interesting to me that they didn't go with that because when you think of like so many songs that have taken off that are covers recently, like even I saw just the other day that somebody's like flying up the Spotify charts with a cover of Karim Bailey Ray's Put Your Records On. Like, yes! It just like doesn't ma- like, particularly for a song like that that didn't, that wasn't like in the public eye that much. Like people yep. who love pop music knew about it, but everybody, for everybody else, it would have been the first time that they we're hearing it really. So yeah. like a great song's a great song. You should just pop it out. You're so off, right. um, off Aphrodite, Closer is amazing in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. It's I'll like back a on that. real brooding club track. So that's my one off that. But I think um, by and large, they got the Closer, they got the Aphrodite singles pretty spot on. Pretty bang on. Yeah. Even yeah. if they didn't do as well as they deserved, um, they chose well at least. Yeah, justice for get get out of my way. Get out of my way. <laughs> get out of my there way. I'm coming Australia. through. <laughs> yeah, 
she's very Aussie. Um, that was a lovely episode and great to celebrate, you know, one of our truly great pop stars. Um, yeah. Yes, we're putting these albums in the flop stars category, but in an absolutely celebratory way. And we think they, they stand the test of time and we're very excited to see what happens to Kylie next. Make sure you hit follow if you're following us on Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify at the moment and you're not following us, hit that follow button. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Be and nice. A lot of people tweeting as well with suggestions and yeah. comments and stuff like that. So, so keep that coming. We've got a if really you... lovely group of songs and, and records coming up. Can I also say um, DJY, um, who is a fan of the podcast as of a week ago, mm-hmm. um, he asked if we could do um, another Kylie album. What was the one we, you were talking about earlier, that late 90s one? Um, Impossible Princess. Princess. Impossible Princess, yeah. Yeah, that he would be a good one. It would yeah. be. Maybe a season I, three contender. I also think um, if we get sent our bottles of rosé that we could come <laughs> back and chat about disco once it comes out and do a little s- special episode because we rarely do records that are extremely new. 100%. But um, if I've got a glass of rosé, I'd love to, to dig into disco with you. What yeah. a pleasure. What a pleasure it will be. We've got to, <laughs> Even though we record at 9am my time, I'll indulge in a glass of rosé just for you. You, you better. Rose. I will. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, guys. We love you all. Bye.